it's easy to take God's goodness to us for granted. The relationship we have with God is unlike any other we have in our lives. Who else but God shows us goodness all the time? No one. Who else but God truly and fully forgives us when we treat them horribly? No one. Because of our sinful nature, we are tempted to take all the good things God gives us with an expectation that God shouldn't ever allow difficult things into our lives. It's as if we think God's job is to satisfy our every desire and our job is to throw him a few kudos when he really goes above and beyond to give us something special. This approach to God is completely out of whack because it treats God as if he owes us something rather than acknowledging that we owe him everything. But one of the incredible things about God is that our sinful and selfish behavior doesn't change who he is. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. He patiently and graciously works to bring us back to himself, even when we resist him kicking and screaming. God keeps showing his faithful love to us even though we never deserve it. God keeps working salvation in us, even when we give into sin. God does these things because he has a purpose for us. He wants us to know him and experience the benefits of obeying him and walking with him. In our passage today, God's faithful love and salvation being promised to us leads us to speak about God to others, obey him with confidence, and love his commands. The first part of Psalm 119 in verses 41 through 43, where God provides us opportunities to speak about him to others. The opportunity to speak is the result of God's faithful love being experienced by the psalmist. He begins in verse 41 by asking, Let your faithful love come to me, Lord, your salvation as you promised. He asks for God's faithful love and salvation to come to him based on the promises God has made through his word. Since this is the first time in Psalm 119 that God's faithful love is mentioned, before we dig further into verse 41 and the verses following, let's take some time to reflect on God's faithful love and what it tells us about him. Even though this is a subject that is expressed multiple places in Scripture, we'll look at another psalm to give us insight into God's faithful love and how he demonstrates it to his people. In Psalm 25, verses 6 through 10, David writes, Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my acts of rebellion in keeping with your faithful love. Remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches 
them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. We learn the following things about God's faithful love from Psalm 25. First, God's faithful love has existed from ancient times. Showing compassion and enduring love is not a new characteristic of God, but one that he's had from the beginning. Second, through his faithful love, God remembers those who love and follow him, and he forgets their sins. What God remembers about you is that you're his. And what he forgets about you is all the sins against him. Third, God is good, and in his goodness he shows sinners the way to know him and do what is right. God holds on to his people, and he shows them faithful love. He teaches his people his ways and leads them to walk in them. Fourth, his people are the ones who keep his covenant and decrees. We show that we're God's people by obeying him. God blesses his people by loving and caring for them and providing them what they need throughout their lives and into eternity. What we see is God's beautiful character on display. His steadfast love endures forever. He is good. He calls rebellious sinners to save them from their sin so that they can know and walk with him in the truth. He protects them throughout their lives. They became his people because he showed them how to know him. They put their faith in him and demonstrate their faith by loving and obeying him. With this context in mind of how God has demonstrated his faithful love to his people, we return to verse 41, where the psalmist asks God for a demonstration of his faithful love for a purpose. That purpose is to help him speak about God to others because he trusts in God's word. The speaking to others that the psalmist will do is from verse 42. Then I can answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. The psalmist doesn't tell us what the taunts are, but we can assume since he's asking God to show his faithful love to him that it has to do with being taunted for his faith in God. This isn't the first time the psalmist has faced opposition. We saw earlier in Psalm 119, in verses 22 and 23, that he faced opposition for following God when he wrote, Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees. Though princes sit together speaking against me, your servant will think about your statutes. In spite of facing opposition, he doesn't stop keeping God's word. In the same way that the psalmist experienced taunts because of his faith in God, we should expect them as well. And we can follow the psalmist's example by asking God to show us his faithful love and salvation so that we can answer those who taunt us and continue to trust in God's word. Even though we don't know the specifics the psalmist faced, we know what kind of taunts we face for putting our faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, today. People taunt us, telling us that we're out of touch with the world, 
and that no one believes in God anymore. They taunt us by saying, surely you don't think Jesus is the only way for people to be saved? Are you really saying that all the Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and other people who earnestly believe in their faith are wrong? They taunt us by saying that what you believe about sexual ethics and marriage is out of date. And you need to catch up with the rest of us who are more loving than you are. These are just a few of the different taunts that we face. In different ways, they're all saying the same thing. They're saying that believing in the God of the Bible and putting our faith in Jesus Christ to save us from our sin is foolish and wrong. What the psalmist asks for in this circumstance, and what we should also ask for when we face taunts, is that God would demonstrate his faithful love and salvation to us so that we would be able to answer by speaking about who God is and how he works. One of the things I found striking in this passage is what the psalmist does and doesn't ask for in order to respond to taunts. He doesn't ask God for just the right words to say. He asks God to demonstrate his faithful love and salvation, which he will then use to respond to the taunts. He is more concerned with being rightly related to God than having just the right response. When I face opposition from others, I find that I want just the right words to say. Words that will silence taunts. Words that will be irrefutable. Words that will vindicate me. But the psalmist teaches me instead to desire God himself. Knowing that I am safe with God. Knowing that he will love me forever. Knowing that he saved me. Knowing that he keeps his promises. When I know and experience God's goodness to me, I'm rightly related to him. Which puts the taunts in their proper perspective. What God has given me can never be undone by anything the people who oppose me say. And on top of that, being rightly related to God will give me words to say about God and his goodness to those who taunt me. So when people taunt us for being out of touch with the world and still believing in God, we can respond that we believe what God's word says in Romans 14, 11. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. Our God is the God of the universe. His son Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords who will return to earth to rule forever in righteousness. These are promises from God that we hope in, despite taunts that most people don't believe in God anymore. When people taunt us that we insist that Jesus is the only way for people to be saved, we can respond from John 14, 6 through 7. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. There aren't many paths to get to God. There is only one way and God the Father sent his son Jesus to make that way for us so that we can be reconciled 
to God. When people taunt us about our sexual ethics and definition of marriage being between one man and one woman, we point to where God established marriage in Genesis 2, 21 through 24. We also point to Ephesians 5, 22 through 32, where marriage helps us understand the relationship between Christ and the church and to demonstrate how husbands and wives are to relate to each other in Christ. Marriage has been established by God to suit his purposes, and we don't get to redefine it. While these are some examples of how we can respond to those who taunt us, ultimately the words we say come from relying on God to show us his faithful love and salvation so that we can answer the taunts. But responding to taunts isn't the only way for us to speak about God to others. The psalmist also asks in verse 43, Never take the word of truth from my mouth, for I hope in your judgments. He asked God to keep the word of truth in his mouth so that he would be able to speak about who God is and what he has done to save him from his sins. The reason he wants to be able to speak about God is the hope he has in God's judgments. He knows that God judges with perfect justice. He knows that people that oppose God will face real consequences for their disobedience. He knows that because of God's grace, he can be saved from his sins and escape judgment for them. He wants the hope that comes from this knowledge to lead him to speak about God to others. We won't only find ourselves in defensive positions of responding to taunts, but we'll also find ourselves having opportunities to declare God's goodness and faithful love to others. God has given us the privilege of declaring who he is and the works he's done to those around us. When we speak to people that don't know God, we can proclaim the gospel and how salvation comes through faith in Jesus. When we speak to people that do know God, we can share with them how God has shown us his love and sustained us through the challenges of our lives. One last thought for others like me who can feel intimidated when we face opposition for believing in God. In Deuteronomy 31.6, Moses tells the Israelites as they prepare to go into the land God promised to give them, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Knowing that God goes with us and will not leave or abandon us gives us strength to persevere in faith even when we face opposition. Experiencing God's faithful love and salvation leads us to speak about him to others. As we continue to verses 44 through 46, we are instructed by the psalmist to obey God with confidence. Trusting in God's promises and asking him to show us his faithful love not only directs us in speaking about God, it also changes how we live by giving us confidence to obey him. In the true gospel order of things, first comes his gracious salvation, then comes our obedience. Having been saved by God, our lives reflect a growing desire to walk with God. We respond to God's faithful love for us by committing to always obey God's instruction, walking freely by studying his precepts 
and speaking of his decrees to people in positions of power, since God won't put us to shame. The psalmist says in verse 44, I will always obey your instruction forever and ever. This commitment to obedience is a result of the faithful love God has showed him and the instruction God has given him so that he knows how to walk in God's ways. He responds to his knowledge of God with a commitment to obey God forever and ever. We may think of obeying God as something we only do during this part of our lives, but the psalmist makes it clear that we will be obeying God for eternity. When we realize what God has done for you and how he is committed to loving you forever, a proper response is to commit to obeying him forever. We have a relationship with God in which he acted by saving us, and we respond by obeying him. We demonstrate our love for him and our reliance on him by obeying God's instruction. But one of the challenges we face is that we know our obedience sometimes fails and falters. The psalmist doesn't say, I will try to obey your instruction, but I will always obey your instruction. How are we to think about this? Should we be discouraged because we know we don't always obey God? Should we set the bar a little lower from always obeying God to sometimes obeying Him? We need to hold two things together. First, we have been given new life in Jesus that enables us to obey God. We have a desire to obey Him always because we are His children and he's given us his spirit to grow us in obedience to him. In Jesus, we really can obey God. Second, God is compassionate and knows that while we live in this sinful world, we'll continue to sin. Acknowledging that we'll sin doesn't lower the bar from obeying God always. It gives us a deeper appreciation of the perfect work of Jesus on our behalf. Jesus always obeyed God's instruction forever and ever. Through Jesus, all of our sins are forgiven, including the ones we haven't committed yet, but will. As God's people, our desire is to always obey God's instruction. And in eternity, we will. Until that time comes, we desire to always obey God's instruction and to confess our sins to God for the times that we don't obey Him. We know that it isn't our obedience that saves us, but Jesus's that does. As part of our grateful response to God's saving us through His Son, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to keep growing in our obedience to God until the day comes when we will always obey Him. Not only does the psalmist commit to obeying God's instruction forever and ever, he goes on to say in verse 45, I will walk freely in an open place because I study your precepts. The psalmist is expressing his desire to live a life full of blessing through his relationship with God. Living a life where all we experience is blessing is something that we won't fully experience this side of heaven. 
but we shouldn't be afraid of expecting that God will bless his people. We just need to be sure that we aren't trying to dictate to God what those blessings will be and when we will receive them. Learning from God's precepts teaches us that God is good and gives good gifts to his children. Let's not forget that Psalm 119 verses 1 and 2 began with, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. How is your happiness in God doing after the last two years? To be sure, the last two years have been a very difficult time on many different levels. But have the difficulties led us to think about God in wrong ways? Has the disappointment and frustration of our current circumstances set your thinking more about all the things you don't have so that you weren't thankful for the continual goodness God has shown you? Have you been able to see God's hand at work protecting you and providing for you in ways that only he could? Have you thanked God for the many gifts he's given you, first among them, salvation in his son? Our circumstances affect us, but they don't change who God is and who we are as his children. Even in the midst of suffering, which every follower of Jesus will face. We can thank God for his great grace towards us and for providing us perseverance in faith. Walking with God keeps us from tripping over the things the world seeks that lead them away from God. Those who are from the world spend their time trying to provide for their own needs and pursuing fleshly desires. We seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. God provides us all the things we need because he knows that we need them. God isn't oblivious to our needs. He knows them better than we do. And he blesses us by giving us life and hope through Jesus Christ. When we have confidence in growing obedience to God and walking freely with him, it provides us further confidence to speak about him to all kinds of people without being ashamed. The psalmist continues in verse 46, I will speak of your decrees before kings and not be ashamed. God's decrees are applicable to every person, including those who are in positions of power. The rich and powerful don't get to opt out of obeying God. They are accountable to him just as all people are. The psalmist knows that he can communicate God's decrees to kings and he won't be ashamed because God will do what he says he will. We will never be put to shame for trusting what God has told us in his word. God always keeps his promises and achieves his purposes and plans. This is another opportunity for the psalmist to speak about God, this time to people in positions of authority. And he can have complete confidence that God will fulfill what he has decreed. When you know the message you're speaking about is certain, you can communicate it to anyone with confidence. Through each one of these verses, we see different ways that we can obey God with confidence. 
We will obey him now and forever. We will experience God's blessings because we are God's people. We can tell everyone, including people in positions of power, about God's word and not be ashamed because God keeps his word. Being able to confidently obey God and trust that he won't put us to shame grows us in our love for him. As we see his grace and goodness being worked out in our lives, we see how wonderful his commands are, and we love them because they came from God. In verses 47 and 48, the psalmist concludes, I delight in your commands, which I love. I will lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and will meditate on your statutes. God's commands are loved by the psalmist. He repeats twice that he loves God's commands to emphasize how he really feels about them. He also delights in them because they come from God and lead him in God's way. We show that we love God by keeping his commands. The psalmist also says he will lift up his hands to God's commands, which indicates a prayerful response to God's commands and a desire to grab onto them and know them more. As he meditates on God's statutes, he thinks about them and reflects on them and how they teach him about walking in God's way. So how are we all doing with the commands of God? Because of taunting from people, do some of them seem less appealing to us? Do we love some of God's commands less and would rather forget that they are part of God's word? Are we tempted to be ashamed of God's commands? Because of our own sinful desires, do some of God's commands seem restrictive? Like they're keeping us from something we desire. Are we reaching out to grab hold of God's commands because we love them or pushing them away because we'd rather go our own way? When we're tempted to sin, God's commands can feel like they're obstructing us from our desires. But when we reflect on the fact that they come from God, they keep us from going away from him. They lead us in the way God wants us to go, so we begin to see their value to us and start loving them. Putting to death sinful desires is a difficult struggle. But God provides us strength in our weakness so that we will love what he loves and hate what he hates. God's commands teach us to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength. God's commands teach us to be content with what he provides for us and not to create sorrow for ourselves by going after worldly desires. God's commands keep us from worshiping idols instead of God. God provided us his commands for our good and to keep us from going astray. This is the view that the psalmist has when he thinks about God's commands. If there's a command from God that you're struggling with obeying, call out to God and ask him to help you love his commands. Reach out to a brother or sister in Christ to ask them to pray with you that you would love God's commands and obey them. Pray for one more thing too. Pray that you would regularly spend time reading God's word so that you would grow in knowing God's commands and loving them. 
If you have children, spend time with them in God's Word, learning about and hearing God's instruction so that you can grow in your love for God and your delight in His commands. As you are encouraged from God's Word, share it with people who don't know God and share it with your brothers and sisters who do know God. Those that don't know God will have a chance to learn about Him so that they can be saved by Him. Those that do know God can be encouraged in seeing you grow and being reminded of God's Word and its power to instruct and correct us. When the psalmist wrote Psalm 119, Jesus hadn't yet come to fulfill all of God's promises, demonstrate God's faithful love to us, and save us from our sins. But the promises had been made that pointed to Jesus. Now that Jesus has come, we see that God, that Jesus was God's faithful son, who loved God's commands and perfectly kept them. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, God can forget our sins and forgive us for them, since Jesus paid for all of them on our behalf. God is able to love us now and into eternity because Jesus reconciled us to him and changed us from God's enemies into his children. When Jesus first came, it was to fulfill all of God's purposes and be our salvation. Jesus is now waiting for the day God appointed, when he will return to rule over the whole earth and everyone in it. We eagerly await his promised return. When Jesus comes back, we will obey perfectly. We will walk freely. And we will delight in God's commands without any hesitation. The day is coming when there will be no more taunts against God and his people. In the meantime, we have work to do as God's servants. God has given us the privilege of speaking about him and his promises. God has given us the responsibility of telling others about how Jesus fulfilled God's promises to people who know him and people who don't. God has called us to obey him with confidence so that we can accomplish the good works he's given us to walk in. God has given us his commands to love and obey because they lead us in faithfully following him. Let us all continue to grow in our trust in God's faithful love toward us and the salvation he's given us through his son Jesus. As we live in the midst of a hostile and sinful world, we know it isn't going to stay like this forever. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in all humility, thanking you for the great gift you have given us in your Son. Father, you love us now, and you will love us always. What a tremendous blessing and encouragement that is to us. Father, as we think about your faithful love to us, the salvation you have given us, may that be what we communicate to others. Father, may we not waste time trying to find the perfect words to say in every situation, but may we experience your faithful love and salvation in our lives in a way that motivates us and directs us and how we can speak to others. Father, thank you that you have given us the ability to obey you through your son, Jesus. 
Lord, we know that our obedience needs to continue to grow. And we look forward to the day, Father, when we will always obey you. But we thank you that in the meantime, you have given us life in your Son, and you forgive our sins in the times when we turn away from you and go after sinful and selfish desires. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. May you grow us in it. May we love and obey your commands. May we be your people accomplishing your purposes for the glory and praise of your holy name. We rejoice in you for your faithfulness and mercy, and we praise you in Jesus' name.